stinky truck for the ride home, Papa and I walked the boat out into the harbor and tied it to its mooring, a white float chained to a giant block of concrete on the sand below. Papa untied the small skiff he kept secured upside down on the bow. It made a plopping sound when he dropped it down into the water. I eased over the side into it and set the glass ball on the floorboards. Papa handed me the wooden pigeon crate. He'd taken six of his pigeons to see. They all come home? he asked. Right on time. Papa smiled and lowered himself into the skiff, rocking it gently. Every time he went to sea, he'd take some of his racing pigeons a few miles out and turn them loose to find their way home. They always did, and fast. Their homing instinct fascinated Papa and me. How they knew just where to go was a mystery, like how some animals get antsy before an earthquake. I sat in the stern, facing Papa as he rowed long, slow strokes back to the pier. He dipped his head. Look at that boat. I turned back to gaze at the Tayo Maru. She had an open deck with a small forward wheelhouse sitting on it like a queen, and a long-armed tiller that Papa often guided with his knee. It's a good one, I said. From way back in my younger days, that's what I dreamed about, right there. I studied it closer, this time noticing how it sat on the water, perfectly still and perfectly balanced, not tilting to one side like some boats in that harbor. It's a good boat, I said, unable to think of anything smarter to say. Papa smiled and nodded. Road. Back at the pier, Sanji helped us haul the skiff out and carry it over to the palm trees where the fishermen kept their skiffs. We turned it upside down and tucked the oars under it. A man from the fish shed came out and handed Papa a wad of bills the size of a big fat rice ball. Good catch, Nakaji, the guy said. Do that again and you'll be a rich man. Already am, Papa said, putting his hand on my shoulder. The guy winked at me and left. Papa counted the money, his lips moving soundlessly. Sanji turned away to give him privacy. Um, Papa grunted, handing Sanji his pay. Sanji gaped. This too much, boss. He tried to give some of it back. Papa waved him off. You worked hard. Buy gas for that rat trap truck. Take home something nice for Reiko and Mari. Sanji ducked his head. You too good to me, boss. The three of us squeezed into the small cab of the truck for the ride home, the shiny green glass ball in my hands winking in the sunlight. It was the perfect day, except for the fish stink. A small price for all we had. In the before time. Chapter 2 The Tayo Maru Now it was Wednesday, March 3rd, 1943 a year and a half later. My best friend Billy Davis and I had just finished another slow day of school, both of us now in ninth grade. Instead of heading home, I'd talked Billy into coming down to the Alawai Canal with me to stare at Papa's boat. We hopped on a city bus to Kapiolani and Kamoku Street, then headed through a quiet neighborhood to the bushes and trees that hid the canal from view. From the trees, we crossed a wide field of dirt the afternoon sky blue and silky. Puffy white clouds sat like hats on the green mountaintops behind us. 
We eased down at the edge of the Alawai, a rainwater drainage canal that wandered from the swampy lowlands out to the ocean, mixing rusty mud water with the clean blue sea, just past a small boat harbor. To the right of that harbor, a man-made channel cut into the reef that edged the shore and ran parallel to the beach over to Kiwalo Basin, where the Tayo Maru had harbored before the war. A silvery mullet jumped after some bug, then plopped back down, leaving rings that wobbled toward us, then vanished. Behind us, the muted sounds of Honolulu whispered through thick weeds, sagging in the heat of the sun. Billy tossed a pebble into the water. This probably wasn't a great idea. Yeah, probably. Going down to the canal only brought back terrible memories of terrible days of just over a year ago. On December 7th, 1941, the Japanese slammed down on Hawaii.